0: hello and welcome to the film pulse podcast this is episode number 486 my name is adam patterson with me today we got kevin rickshaw hey kevin how's it going uh pretty good i mean uh you know I, i i had a child i brought a child into this world since uh the last episode so it's been tiring and stressful but overall pretty decent i would say Insane same turn of events yeah it's pretty pretty it's like, wild like it's still it's still a little surreal to be honest like it's it's still kind of crazy but yeah i mean
1: it's that for me and i'm not <laughs> the one living it i'm, yeah. just, I'm just the guy
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh it's pretty wild but it's it's definitely a journey that's for sure uh anyway this week on the show we'll be taking a look at uh, medusa deluxe which is out now on vod we'll be going over some of watching on the watch list and covering new releases in theaters vod and blu-ray thank you so much for joining us this week if you get a moment consider reviewing us that'd be great uh regarding say by the 90s uh the i know i was super late in posting the july episode but Rest assured, there will be an August episode as well. Uh, We have a topic, we have a date set for recording, so that should be out by the end of the month. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Uh, With that, I think we can go ahead and jump into our review. We're talking about Medusa Deluxe. This is directed by Thomas Hardiman. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Talented and cutthroat hairstylists at a competition find one of their own murdered before judging can begin. Winding through neon-lit halls, competitors unspool long-simmering resentments and lies as they search for the killer among them. Uh, Now, that synopsis makes this sound kind of like uh, an exciting whodunit set in the world of, of hairstylists. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that's what I thought <laughs> when you threw this movie out and I read
1: the synopsis also,
0: also like, oh. the, the trailer for this also makes it kind of out to be that where it's like this just frantic, you know, crazy behind like backstage thing. And like, the funny thing is most of the trailer, if I'm remembering correctly, a lot of it is comprised of that opening scene that opening monologue, which is the best part of the movie, uh, I think at least. Yeah, and everything just goes downhill from there. At least, in my opinion, uh, I um, I can't say as I was really into this movie overall. I I found it to be. Just way too dry, man. Like, not a lot's going on here. Uh, I did not like the, the setting. I didn't like the kind of backstage corridors and dingy-looking rooms and stuff. Like, I wasn't very enthralled with the aesthetics. Um, and and this, is a, this is a single take. This is like a one-take movie. So, you know, you have these long sequences of people just, like, walking from point A to point B. Uh, But it's just not... It's not interesting. So I feel like the the mechanic, the the single-take mechanic, doesn't really add anything to the narrative here. And I think that it actually detracts quite a bit from it because they spend so much time walking from one room to another. And it doesn't, like... There's no tension, really. Like, it's not as frantic as the trailer makes it out to be. No. So... Yeah, for me, I just found this to be a little bit of a, a slog.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I agree, two hundred percent. Because I, going into this, like I, you put it out there, I read the synopsis. I thought, okay, this sounds like a stylish movie. Who Done It? I love Who Done It's. What I didn't know is I had no idea that this was a one take movie until my wife pointed it out. I didn't either, by the way. Uh, yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, this sounds great. But I 100%, no, 300% agree with you in terms of it actually detracting from the movie because it is that. It is just, there's no point in this being a one-shot movie. Yeah, no. There's absolutely no point. If you take out all of the incessant walking to rooms and then back to another room and then walking down this hallway, this movie's like an hour and 10 minutes long. But yeah. it's an hour and 40 because... 30 minutes of it is people just walking to another
0: place. Also, I just have a really hard time believing that it would take that long to get from point A to point B. Specifically, there's a scene where a guy's carrying someone outside. And I'm like, how does it take this long to just get outside of the venue? Why, like, are you going the longest way possible to get out there? It just seems crazy to me. Yeah. I just there's nothing
1: in terms of the the one take. Nothing about it is like, ooh, this is exciting. Like, I'm glad that they did this. Yeah. All of it was just like, oh, you could easily cut here. Which, of course, there was numerous times where it goes completely pitch black, and you're like, yeah, I'm sure you're cutting there anyways. Like, what the fuck is the point of doing this?
0: Yeah, it just didn't. It really. There was really nothing here either aside from some of the the dialogue that I think was even impressive to capture in a single take. Like some of the per- the performances were good and some of the arguments and stuff. And I thought that there was like a little bit of a kind of a scuffle that happens. Again, you see it in the trailer that was shot well, like they were able to like quickly add makeup and stuff when the camera moved away. So that, that was kind of impressive. Um, and the, the, at one point an infant is involved and I don't know how many, if they were able to like capture all of that stuff in one go. But I think, uh, making a a one take film involving an infant is probably very challenging, but you know, other, other than that, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of... I, I saw on Letterboxd a couple people compared this to Climax, the uh, Gaspar No film, and I completely agree. As I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, wow, this feels just like the movie Climax, which I hated, by the way. This I I, I thought Climax was much more grating um, <clears throat> than this, but... I still like the aesthetically it, it, feels very similar to climax and I just didn't, I don't like it, man. Like, I don't like the look at yeah. this movie. Like the, the, the hair design, like all of the hair and stuff looks great, but like just the look of the movie itself is just so Bah, I don't like it. Yeah.
1: No. And
0: I think there's
1: that, at least for me is, you know, Hairstylist competition. I'm thinking, oh, there's going to be oodles of style in this bad boy. And like you said, hairstyles look pretty crazy, pretty great, but there's no style to be found anywhere else yeah. like, within the movie at all. Like the architecture, the way in which it's shot, the lighting, nothing. It's just, it's drab. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely drab. The only thing that, like, mildly or marginally saves this in any way is performances and. For me, there's two. There's Harriet Webb and Claire Perkins. I think if you don't have either of them in this movie, like it's absolutely
0: nothing. Oh yeah, absolutely
1: nothing of a film.
0: Yeah, you're you're you don't have them involved. You're screwed. You're screwed. Because at least like
1: when they would open their mouths, I was like, oh, thank God, a compelling person, a compelling character. Thank you. Everyone else, I'm just kind of like,
0: okay. Yeah, you know, everybody else was pretty lukewarm. I mean, Cl- Claire Perkins, I think, is is definitely a highlight. Like, she was just such an such a bitch in this. I loved it. She's <laughs> had a goddamn mind. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah. Um the the mystery aspect, the whodunit aspect. What? Very what? lackluster. <laughs> very, very lackluster. You don't see the murder take place really uh you there's not like additional murders that take place you you could almost eliminate the whole murder aspect and the movie would be pretty much the exact same like the way that this it only affects the the murder actually only affects a few people in in this competition like everybody else is seems to be like well you know he was kind of a dick anyway or you know he was our competition and, and like it's it, like some people didn't even really like him and didn't care it just see it's just the whole thing in general just seems very odd to me like why are they even still there like yeah were did they need to wait around to be interviewed by the and police because like, it didn't like, seem so it didn't seem like it no the police
1: are nowhere to be seen and like no one wants to be there they're all just like when can we leave yeah and even when you do get kind of like the answer or whatever to the who done it it just it oh felt God. so unbelievably tacked on at the <laughs> end it's it like okay
0: it did, it barely even made any sense like it was just like the most lackluster uh resolution where when you fi- when you find out everything you're just like oh, that's it i just spent yeah. 101 minutes to get to this like come on it just it doesn't go anywhere the the sort of the thing the thing that ties it all up at the end like the final the final scene feels like a nothing burger as well so at the end of the day i'm just not even sure what this movie like why it exists like i just don't feel like i need this movie there just wasn't anything to it yeah
1: and i there's a part of me that wonders like if this would have been any better without the single take because i think like the single take to me kept drawing attention to it to the fact that it was a single take so much of it's just people walking where you're just like okay this is just detracting from like the actual film that you're trying to make. Like maybe if you just had cuts and editing, this would have been better.
0: I think you. I think. I think you do have something there because I think that you would have been able to control the pace a lot more. You, you'd be able to tune the pace a lot more if you if you just had regular cuts. And the other thing is like I don't I don't know if the single take was supposed to if it was supposed to be designed to show the chaos backstage you know the, the how frantic everything was and how stressful but it actually did the opposite it made everything just feel kind of boring whereas if you had the ability to do cuts and stuff you could be more frantic with it you know and do very short takes and stuff or sh- short cuts and make the make everything feel more kinetic and tense yeah. if that's what you were going for at least yeah
1: because i ne- i never once got the feeling that oh it's chaos behind the scenes it just felt like a bunch of people waiting
0: <laughs> just sitting around arguing that they could leave you know
1: <laughs> yeah that they could leave like god we have to wait for the police and then we'll finally get to go home
0: and and the thing is like like a lot of the conversations didn't really feel like they went anywhere or, or had any substance either uh there's like one kind of I don't know if i'd call it shocking but there's one thing that happens at some point which as soon as as soon as she lit that cigarette i knew <laughs> like i just oh, knew. yeah it. i was like oh okay um yeah. but also like she has to walk like 10 minutes to get to a place where she's gonna smoke and i don't know Yeah, just, probably not
1: the best best place to smoke
0: yeah it's just a weird like why walk that far away i feel like an exit to the outside would probably be closer. Uh, anyway, I yeah I, I was disappointed with this one. Hundred percent. All right. So that's what what did, did what else did uh, Tom, Thomas Hardiman do? This is his feature debut, from the looks of it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, you know, keep at it, Thomas. Keep at it. Did a bunch of shorts before this, which I haven't seen. But I mean, it—it's it, not like dog shit or anything. It—it—it's just—is this an A twenty four? Said A twenty four on the trailer.
1: Yeah, but but I don't I don't remember seeing that. I didn't see it. Yeah,
0: opening. <laughs> and I'm looking at the poster, and A twenty four is not listed anywhere on it. That's that's weird. Maybe A twenty four was like international release or something
1: maybe anyway this is one of those where they're like uh... it might,
0: yeah maybe it was one of the a24 swept under the rug type of ones <laughs> charles,
1: charles swan syndrome
0: yeah it says here distributors a24 theatrical hmm. and you know us us the theatrical so maybe looks like movie movie handled the vod so that's probably why we don't See the logo. Yeah. Anyway, all right. That's Medusa Deluxe. Kevin, what are you gonna give it out of ten?
1: No, i would give it like a, like a
0: three. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm not like maybe a. I, I'd say a three. Also, a yeah, two and a half, three somewhere around there for me. It's just, yeah, very disappointing. I was actually kind of excited for this one. I was too. Alright, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, I saw a few things uh, over the last couple weeks. Uh, The first being, uh, I'll start with the big ones, I guess. I saw The Flash. This is out now on VOD. I don't have a lot to say about it. I didn't think it was very good. Uh, I continue to feel like I'm over the whole superhero movie thing. This is directed by uh, Andy Miss... must Muschietti. Uh he's the guy who did uh the it the it movies, it and it chapter two, and he did Mama. Weird choice uh to have this you know horror movie director do the Flash movie. Not sure how that worked out. Um but yeah, this one is it's just not very good. The I, I pretty much mirror what everybody else has said about this. The CG is god-awful. It's like some of the worst CG uh, I've seen in a big, big budget movie for a while. Um, The movie itself is meh. Uh, I like the fact that they brought Michael Keaton back as Batman. I thought that that was really cool. And he's in it way more than what I expected. Like, he's actually kind of one of the main characters, which was cool. You got to see him be Bruce Wayne. You got to see him be Batman. Uh you got to see like the old, you know, the Burton Batmobile and uh the uh whatever the hell the what's the I don't know, Batwing, whatever the the jet hmm. thing is called. I think it's called Batwing. Um and the suit and everything, like so that was really cool. But everything else I thought was not anything special. So eh. I don't really recommend it. You know what I recommend? What? Sleepaway Camp. Oh, hell yeah. You finally saw this. I did. Now,
1: 1983, Robert Hilt's sick.
0: Now, if I remember correctly, you were somehow able to avoid the twist at the end. And, yeah. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. And it's also very interesting revisiting this movie because now, like, th- that twist, while might have been something for for the 80s i think it carries a much different tone in 2023
1: oh yeah definitely 100 percent. and man the the way in which that reveal is shown and the way it's shot it's, and a, everything, it's I, like holy
0: shit, i yes. think i think it's that scene is one of the creepiest looking shots in like horror cinema like to like that—that's like a, an image that I think will forever just be burned into my brain. Oh
1: yeah. Oh, and the way they like burn it into the movie itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the freeze frame and then like. It's just so creepy.
0: The 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 grin.
1: Yeah. It's it's fucking wild. I was not. Like I was kind of prepared for it because you can you see it coming. Obviously, you know the the way that they're hinting at it. You're like, okay, I have a feeling I know how this is going to go. But the way in which they do the reveal is just like, oh, shit, like, damn, like, I even knew it was coming, but it was still, like, extremely disturbing and surprising at the same time, and just packed a punch that I wasn't prepared for it to do. But another thing that I love about this movie is, I, I mean, I love just summer camp horror movies, They're mm-hmm. just whatever yeah. reason, there's just something about them. And this movie does a really good job in something that I like about summer camp movies, where you're just doing summer camp stuff mm-hmm. for stretches of time. Like the whole baseball game. Mm-hmm. I just, I thought that was like the funniest thing in the world. Cause it's just a bunch of little kids shit talking and swearing <laughs> yeah. and calling each other. Names. And it's just fucking perfect. Cause you're like, I love this little detour that we're doing where it's like a comedy baseball movie.
0: Yeah. for
1: No, for no reason. Like we didn't have to do this, but let's do it. Cause it's summer camp. You have to,
0: Yeah, I I love this movie. This is one of my all time favorite slashers. I think it's just it's just so good. It's weird. It it is weird seeing it in HD nowadays because there are certain things that you see. Like one one scene specifically, there's a scene where the killer is standing in a doorway, and the original version, like you couldn't. It was it looked like a silhouette, but when you see it in HD, it's the brother, and it doesn't make any sense because it makes it look like he's the killer. Mm. But it was Which meant to be just sometimes. a black silhouette.
1: Maybe he is sometimes, though. Well, yeah, maybe, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they never, like... They didn't rule that out. True, yeah, true. But yeah, I was just... That was kind of... And just... The
0: sleaziness of it. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh, oh he's he, he's like, not the fucked up like. He's like a cousin, isn't he? He's not. They're not. They're not yeah, brother and sister. He's yeah. like a cousin. Yeah. The the dirtiness, what, the, the grunginess of this. Yeah, family. like the people that work at the camp, mm-hmm. like
1: the fucking you know. You now the first guy that gets it, the pedophile. Mm-hmm. Like that was just really off putting and disgusting when they're like running into camp and it's just like,
0: oh, what the fuck, dude. Yep, and then the kitchen scene. Oh man, this is so great. And the bees. Oh my god, I just, I love this movie. Oh yeah. (laughs) The bees. (laughs) I just, I just, this movie's just, it it really is one of the best slashers. Oh, so good. So fucking good. It's on Tubi. Where else would it be? Of course. Of course. Looks like it's also on Peacock and Plex, Crackle. It's all over the place. None of those
1: things exist. If, If it's on those things, that means it's on Tubi.
0: Yeah. Know sure. what I mean?
1: Yep. I'm trying to fucking copy off a of 2B.
0: Cool, so that oh. is uh, Sleepaway Camp from 1983. You know they made like three sequels to that. Um and Bruce Springsteen's daughter played Angela in the sequels. I think her Really? Yeah. Pamela Springsteen, I believe is her name. Wow. This, the the sequels are, you know, trash in comparison mm. to the original, but Yeah. Uh all right, I saw Spider-Man Across the Spider Verse. Finally got a chance to see this. This is on VOD now. It's great. Uh I expected it to be great. Uh I think that it is on par with uh the first one. I, I think that it I think it it just kinda ratchets everything up even more. Like the animation in this one is even more kind of stylistic and experimental like they bring in 2d animation live action lego they they just i mean they throw everything at this one and uh it's just you know it's just like the first one only more and that's all i could really want so i think that this series is still incredible and i think that it is pushing animation or rather like mainstream animation in really good directions that I think uh, I'm hoping that other uh, like studios like Pixar will, will look at and be like, okay, well we don't have to do just the standard bullshit, you know? And I think maybe with the the new TMNT movie, maybe other others are kind of following that and trying new things. So highly recommend Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse.
1: Looking forward to this one.
0: Yeah, I think you'll like it easily.
1: Uh, I watched Frankenhooker 1990. Hell yeah! Frankenhooker. No, uh, it, it, I didn't know this was a trauma movie. I didn't know that.
0: Was it? Yeah. yeah. Huh. I I didn't know, I actually didn't which, know that either.
1: <laughs> which is funny because, like, it opens and it's like, this is a trauma movie and everything, and I was just like,
0: oh. This is <laughs> uh, It's like, nah, 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 nah. The, yeah that's not your it's not your typical trauma movie that's for sure no this, no it's this, definitely not this is the this is a little bit of a little bit better than what you would typically think of with trauma
1: oh 100 because this is a it's exactly what i wanted and it it's just absolutely fucking ridiculous so many people explode i mean a whole a hotel room full of hookers explode Mm -hmm. just one after another from super crack like what I mean come on that was awesome more people kept exploding later like I thought that they just did all of it at one shot which if if that's what it was that would have been great too you know like that's enough but then then they did more later which thank you that was cool uh just everything about it is just ridiculous the effects work is pretty fucking fantastic it's like the exact amount of good enough to be slightly realistic but also kind of hokey at the same time which is something that it just is an itch that i always have and that delivered and then the surprise thing was like i was really surprised by that like the act in this movie is really good oh yeah especially when she becomes frankenhooker at the end like, I I don't know why, but that was just absolutely hilarious to me. did such <laughs> a fantastic job of like,
0: yeah, this is another like really great kind of seedy gross movie. Um, oh yeah. You this know, they go into New York. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's your classic Frank and Hen, Lauder uh, joint, you know, like basket case, um, so I, I just looked it up because I was curious about the Troma thing because I did not remember Frank and Hooker being under their umbrella. And it looks like they acquired the North American Pictures catalog in 2021. So okay. Troma just acquired that catalog, which includes Frank and Hooker, Maniac Cop, Basket Case 2 and 3, and The Exterminator.
1: Gotcha. And they immediately created title cards that said a trauma release Next nice <laughs>
0: of course <laughs> of course is it the is it like the classic old one with the jingle lo- what
1: no it wasn't that but it was like it was like baked into the film itself which just like it looked like it was right at home where i was like oh this is a trauma release huh. i didn't know that interesting interesting it's just like an overlay you know yeah yeah but uh also to be where else
0: would it be of course of course i think i think a large portion of the trauma catalog is is online these days i think they released like a ton of their movies like officially on youtube and stuff
1: oh yeah i wouldn't be surprised
0: cool uh that's frankenhooker check it out i mean i it's got a it's a goofy title and everything it's a goofy movie but also it's it's like way better than you would think
1: Yeah. No, because I was going into it just kind of expecting a goofy time, and it was so much more than that.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a cult classic. Uh, I saw One False Move from 1992. This is a, a crime crime thriller from uh, Carl Franklin. Stars Bill Paxton. Yes.
1: Oh, I've been wanting to see this movie. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys. Yeah, this said.
0: is uh this was. Recently brought to criterion right yep so um this is B- bill Paxton plays this like small town uh cop who gets gets involved in this like kind of like a big big case where uh Billy Bob Thornton and uh, his girlfriend cinda Williams and and another guy please is this Michael beach am i um, I, I didn't neglect it to look it up. Apologize, apologies. But these three criminals uh, end up killing a bunch of people, like six, six, seven people, stealing a bunch of coke, and then hitting the road. And they figure out that they're heading to this uh, this small town, and in Arkansas, and um, and Bill Paxton is like the chief chief of police in this like tiny little podunk town so he has to join up with the LAPD and the FBI to try to try to bring down these these three criminals and it turns out that he has sort of a personal connection with with the woman who's who's in there and it's just this like really good just solid kind of procedural melodrama It it uh, is well it's very well shot it is bolstered by really good performances and really really good characters like the characters are very interesting Uh, so and and I don't know man Bill Paxton is so good in this he's like this kind of goofy like he's good at his job he's a good cop but he's also like so happy and optimistic and goofy the whole time it's just it's such a good performance from him Uh, very actually very sad uh, to see this and to remember that he's gone but uh definitely recommend one false move it it didn't like blow me away or anything but it is a really solid procedural if you're looking for kind of a good mm-hmm. crime drama this is this is definitely one to to check out it, yeah, it, it, it's the, very entertaining
1: it's a genre that i'm I find myself wanting.
0: Oh yeah. 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 And and it's nice. It just, it goes back and forth between like, you know, the police trying to track them down and get one step ahead of them. And then it kind of goes in between the, the two sets of characters. Um, And then you, you know, you go to Billy Bob and it's, uh, it's violent, but it's not like overly violent or anything. It's yeah. Just a, just a good, good flick. I definitely recommend checking it out. Nice.
1: Uh something I recommend checking out. I mean if you like romance movies from the fifties. That's David Lean's Summertime, nineteen fifty five. This is not on 2B, sad to say. It's on uh Criterion Channel. Or Max. Yeah,
0: yeah, it looks like it's on Max.
1: Max. If you want to check it out on Max. Uh the, the big time thing about this, I think, is shot in Venice. Mm. Nineteen fifty five Venice. right yeah a a, a romantic comedy of sorts taking place in 1955 venice david Lean, he knows what he's doing with the camera just the way in which venice is shot just absolutely incredible spectacular the actual romance itself is kind of uh catherine hepburn does a really good job in this role of she's going she essentially goes on vacation alone and she kind of falls into this uh romantic relationship with a shop owner and it's kind of them going back and forth where she learns that he's married but he's not really married he's more separated and kind of reluctant to start a relationship with him and just everything that's going on in venice at the time but man in terms of filmmaking and location oh man that that'll carry you just that alone because it's
0: phenomenal. Nice. Very nice. That's Summertime from 1955. Uh, I saw Streetwise from 1984. This is a documentary by Martin Bell. This was, I believe, nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary when, when it was released in 84. Uh, it follows the lives of eight teenagers who are living on the streets in Seattle and it's just like kind of a kind of like a just a fly on the wall type of slice of life um documentary where you just it just follows them around and just li- you see their lives and like the struggles that they have uh one of the main characters that that the uh, or subjects that the film follows is this uh 13 into 14 year old girl named Erin Blackwell she's a Working as a prostitute on the streets. Um, it's a it's a beautifully shot film. I mean, this movie is just gorgeous. If you're looking for like, you know, that city grime, that eighties city grime, like this this movie is is it, man. In addition to just following these kids around, there's just a lot of like extra stuff like just showing random people and things that are happening in the city. You know, it's one, one could even say that the city is a character in this movie. And it's, uh, it's great. Like, I absolutely love this documentary. It was fantastic. It's easy to see where, like, kind of future, um, documentarians would get their inspiration from, like, um, oh, her name is escaping me right now. The Bombay Beach director. Um, mm. oh, yeah. I, I can't remember her name, but like, Like, those, like, I I hesitate to say, like, misery porn, but, you know, that's kind of poverty porn, I guess. Like, that's what they're, like, some people consider them. I disagree in most cases, Um, this one included. I think that it's just a fascinating expose on, you know, street life and just what a horrible set of circumstances these kids just found themselves in. Um, And then piggybacking off of that, I saw uh, Tiny, The Life of Aaron Blackwell, which was the follow-up documentary that that they created 30 years later. So this one came out in 2016, and they catch up with with Aaron 30 years after this documentary, the, the original, And just sort of see where she's at in her life. Um, A lot of the subjects of the original documentary unfortunately passed away. One of them committed suicide while they were still making the documentary. So that's in there, unfortunately. Um, And uh, the sequel or follow-up, I guess, it's nowhere near on the same level. Like this this one is just, it almost feels like... uh, like a made for TV movie or something, which interestingly, they did do like sort of a made for TV movie in nineteen ninety with Aaron Blackwell as a follow up. But it wasn't these filmmakers. It was like twenty twenty or like one of those shows mm-hmm. um this okay. This felt like maybe a step above something like that. It was just nowhere near the same level of artistry as the original documentary, it felt more like, a, you know, just like a, where are they now type of thing? Uh, I mean, it was still interesting to see where, where she's at now. And and at least she's still alive. Um, she's still struggling, but you know, she's still alive, which you can't say about a lot of the people that were featured in that, in the original documentary. So Uh, either way I I do recommend checking this out I believe that Criterion has both movies together I think it's like a two like a two film thing and also on the bonus features they have uh, an interview with another one of the characters or, or people who made it through his name was Rat and uh they do it. They do like a short interview, 15-minute interview with him on, on there as well. And I think that you can watch that on the Criterion channel as well. Okay. So, yeah. Recommend Streetwise. Just know, I mean, you should know going into it that it is a very tragic and horribly depressing film, but it's still very fascinating at the same time. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Got a couple of big ones. We got Strays, which is the Will Ferrell, the dog talking dog one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Potty mouth dogs.
1: Oh boy, they swear.
0: Yeah, they drop f bombs. <laughs> Those pups are dropping f bombs.
1: Oh God, such progression that we're making.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we also have Blue Beetle, which is the latest DC adaptation. Uh, looks pretty bad to me, but hey.
1: Imagine if it was a beetle that swore.
0: Oh, now that would be progressive. Mm-hmm. Then then we'd have something to talk about.
1: Sure, You're damn right.
0: That's pretty much it for theaters, at least the, the biggies. On VOD this week, uh, starting with August 15th, we have With This Light. We got Babylon 5, The Road Home. We got Caverna. We got Billion Dollar Heist. Kill Shot. Wrong Reasons. Uh, And then on the 18th we have The Engineer. Deadshot. So we got Kill Shot and Deadshot coming out this week. Oh
1: boy, there's a twofer.
0: Uh, And then we have Haunting of the Queen Mary. Dark windows. I think that's about it for VOD. Netflix. Uh got a. we have um the Monkey King coming out. That's an animated one. And then Blu-ray this week. We've got Asteroid City. the new Wes Anderson one, if you haven't seen that yet. I was a little disappointed with that, but it was still it was still good. I was just yeah. Maybe yeah. pretty low on my list of Wes Anderson. Got Wrath of Becky. That one's worth a look on VOD probably. Got The Machine. Uh, Holy Spider. August Underground from 2001. Instinct to Kill from 2001 starring Mark DeCasco's from the looks of it. Mm. Ghost Watch from 1992. If you haven't seen that yet, that's that's definitely worth a look.
1: Is that the BBC
0: one? Yeah, where people thought it was real.
1: Yeah, I want to see that so bad.
0: I think it's on Shutter too.
1: I'm pretty sure it is because yeah. I always see it when I'm searching for movies to watch.
0: It's it's very interesting. And also like you know, with a lot of the stuff when you hear about oh people thought it was real, this one it's like uh ah, I can kind of see it. Like they really do a good job of selling this one. Uh, Frankenstein 80 from 1972, uh, Junkhead from 2017, that Babylon 5 one, uh, let's see, wrong reasons, Broken Mirrors from 1984, it eh, looks like that's pretty much it for all the biggies. What about Criterions?
1: Oh, we got one, we got Dim Sum, a little bit of heart, Wayne Wang film from
0: 1985. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. And you can follow us on X. <laughs> that's. <not> the... <laughs> no. No. At, at Film Pulse Net and at Film Pulse Kevin. I'm probably going to just go ahead and say that this is the last time we're going to mention that uh, <laughs> that app on, on this show. If you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Rickstraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.